Hey, it's Melvin, one of your friendly neighborhood podcast hosts. Whether it's your first time tuning in or you're a longtime listener, consider leaving a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever. Reviews are the lifeblood of the podcast world, so if you want to help us out, it'll take only a moment of your time. Otherwise, we hope you enjoy the show. Hi, my name is Melvin, and I'm at a loss for words. Welcome to Cinematic Doctrine, a non-spoiler Christian movie podcast where we sit at the table of cinema and eat. Tonight we'll be dining on John Watts' Spider-Man Far From Home. The closing act of Phase 3 and the immediate film after Avengers Endgame, Spider-Man Far From Home has quite the shoes to fill. It's not only the epilogue to a 10-year story, but comes as the first foray into something new with the MCU. We're entering a new era where, for the most part, we have virtually no idea what's to come next. There's little to no allusions to a grand narrative up ahead, unlike the implications of an Infinity War that we received early in the MCU, with releases like Captain America, The First Avenger, or even The Avengers itself. But that won't keep people from trying to figure things out ahead of time. But before we get into anything like that, let's figure things out with Spider-Man Far From Home first. And I think it goes without saying that while I won't be covering spoilers for this film, I will have to talk about it, which means there may be subtle spoilers for Avengers Infinity War and Endgame, so just a heads up. After the events of Avengers Endgame, Peter Parker's looking for some rest. A trip to Europe seems in order, and as he heads off with his friends to tour the EU, he decides to hang up the suit and take a break. A much-needed vacation from the tiresome, seemingly endless work of being a superhero. Although, as fate would have it, it doesn't matter where you go. The world is in turmoil here and there, and while on his trip, mythical creatures called elementals begin surfacing from the Earth, threatening to destroy the world as they consume more and more power. So, is Peter going to enjoy his vacation and let someone else take charge, or is Nick Fury going to hijack his vacation and demand he do something about it? Why don't you take a wild guess? Spider-Man Far From Home is rated PG-13 for sci-fi action violence, some language, and brief suggestive comments. Sci-fi action is par for the course, and there's a whole bunch of it in here. Lots of explosions, giant creatures fighting, and web-slinging. Nothing you wouldn't expect from a Marvel film. The language is delivered by teenage characters. It's all PG-13 language, but could still be uncomfortable. There are about three memorable sequences of suggestive content, one of which is a joke about a character having to undress in front of another for a non-sexual reason, but another character walking in with the punchline being, it looked like they were going to do something. It was weird. It's also during a large segment of what would arguably be considered filler, so there really wasn't a reason for it. Still, something to watch out for, and there's some other things that may warrant a quick read on the IMDb Parents Guide. Let's get this out of the way. I did not enjoy Avengers Endgame. Well, I wasn't impressed with it. I wasn't a fan of the tonal direction it chose after Infinity War, and I felt it left a lot to be desired. But these are all things you can hear about in Episode 7 of Cinematic Doctrine, so I don't need to get into detail right now. And I recognize that I'm essentially pouring gasoline over myself and giving you a matchbox when I say something like that, but I think that's important to how you hear me with this episode. It puts things into perspective. So with that said, I must say that I had a better time with Far From Home than Endgame. I would even say I was more emotionally engaged with this film than Endgame, but only slightly, which for comparison's sake, I really wasn't all that moved by Endgame, so take that as you will. 
I also would say that I simply enjoyed myself more with Far From Home, from its smaller story, tighter cast, far more subtle callbacks to previous films, save for one scene in the middle. I stepped away feeling I had time better spent. But I do think that Endgame and Far From Home both suffer from running a bit long. This was a little over two hours, and as mentioned briefly in the content warning, there's a part in the middle that feels like just filler. Basically, characters are being moved from one place to another while they're traveling. Some teenage superhero hijinks takes place that, although marginally enjoyable, really pans out the runtime. We're not even an hour into the film by this point either. And it isn't until a few scenes later that another weird scene is thrown at us that, while necessary, seemed a little too comical. It's essentially an exposition dump that lasts for 5-10 to 10 minutes, and it's not only tiresome, but awkward too. You kinda just sit there and go, okay... Okay, alright, alright, I get it, alright. And you just have to wait until a particular character is finished monologuing before you can get on with the film. And I would argue that that scene is a little more damaging than the nonsensical filler prior to it. I think because it's so obviously talking directly to the audience, like the writer is making sure that you get it. Because otherwise, you might not. It's unintentionally demeaning, as though the regular moviegoer wouldn't understand what's going on. I'm never a fan of that sort of thing, and it's such a chore to put up with someone who either doesn't trust that their story can tell itself properly, or doesn't trust me to catch on and go for the ride. And apart from that, it's also very jarring. You can't help but go for the ride because that's where the film's headed now, and you have another hour left. There's no stops on this train. You have to finish it and pray you're being taken in a direction that's satisfactory. And for the most part, it is. I finished the film having a good time. And while there's a few shakeups, like I said, I had a good time. I enjoy these smaller superhero stories, and having a teenage focus is a joy. Earlier this year, we were treated to David Sandberg's Shazam, and that was tons of fun. I had a real fun time with it, and you can hear about that in episode 4 of Cinematic Doctrine. That said, there's something exciting about telling these grand superhero stories from the perspective of someone who still has so much to learn, and when people like David Sandberg and John Watts take that sort of premise seriously, there's a wealth of good content to be had from it. Not only that, there's something wonderful to the empathy shown in taking teenage struggles seriously, even if they're balanced alongside mythical, cataclysmic battles of good versus evil. And when a teenage story is written well, it captures something that can't quite be expressed properly in a story centered around adults. But that's not to say that they're not for adults. I think anyone could see that some of the best teenage dramas are accessible to teens and adults alike. Just look at Harry Potter for that. Now, I don't want to follow this trail much further because, one, while I think Spider-Man Far From Home does a good job being a superhero flick and fun-loving teenage drama, it also has to be a Marvel film. So it can get a little convoluted tonally about what kind of story it wants to be. It has to be exciting, but it also has to be funny. But it also has to build the world. But it also has to call back to the previous films. But it also has to be dramatic. But it also has to be flashy. But it also has to be etc, etc. I think you get the picture. Ultimately, it's a bit confused, like most of these movies. And while serviceable works for bringing in profit, it doesn't necessarily make for star-studded cinema. Unless, of course, it's done well, like Captain America Winter Soldier or Avengers Infinity War. And number two, if I keep talking about the wonders of teenage dramas and how they can be enjoyed by teens and adults alike, as well as their poignant way of communicating the difficulties of growing up that, if we're being honest, never goes away, then this will change from a Spider-Man Far From Home review into an 8th grade review. And I'm not ready to commit to that just now. Let's talk about something I really liked about this movie. 
representation. Not only is it set outside of the United States, it features a cast of all kinds of races like you would see in a high school environment, and features music from countries being visited by the teenage troupe. Although the licensed soundtrack was a little overbearing for the first 30 minutes of the movie, what with there being like four licensed songs, I still liked how the music contributed to the setting, and I definitely remembered those songs more than the usual MCU original soundtrack that usually plays in the background of these movies. I'm glad that they've been improving on their original music, as the last two Avengers movies are great examples of this, but one could even look at Black Panther, or even, ugh, goodness, I can't believe I'm saying this, even Ant-Man and the Wasp had a fun original score that helped to make the film more enjoyable. Alright, I have to go clean my mouth real quick, can't believe I said something good about an Ant-Man movie. All in all, Spider-Man Far From Home is a fine epilogue to not only Phase 3, but the Infinity Saga. I mentioned its subtle callbacks to the previous films in the MCU, and most notably, the three Iron Man films. There are scenes that feel directly inspired by moments from each of those movies, and it helps to bring things full circle after the events of not only Endgame, but as mentioned, the entire MCU thus far. It's charming and sweet, and feels familiar as a fan who's been watching since middle school, and new as it changes some things around. I'm both okay and not okay with this. I'm okay with this because a good story will reference itself a lot. I'm talking a lot. Writing a story is like crocheting or knitting. It's a lot of threads all coming together to create a singular thing, and while every part seems different, it's all made of the same few threads, properties, and colors. A story referencing itself can do this without being overt, as the end of your right sleeve shouldn't be directly attached to your left sleeve, but also needs to be careful not to have loose ends or snags that tickle your armpit or neck. The reason I'm not okay with this is because there's the risk of rehashing the same things over and over. In fact, this was something I didn't like about Endgame, as certain things that were rehashed weren't all that great, or downright uninteresting. It felt a lot like it was going, remember that? Do you remember this? You like this? As though I were a dog and it was dangling a toy in front of me, sometimes calling back to the film immediately before it, Infinity War. With two MCU releases right next to each other that evoke previous iterations to such a degree, I worry about what's ahead. It's funny that I'm saying it this way, as often you would hear complaints that the MCU films take too much time preparing their next films. I even joke about this with the title to my Avengers Endgame review as the culmination of 20-some feature-length commercials, and now I'm over here complaining that it does the opposite, calling back to previous films. But let's think about that for a second. While it's very clear that the stingers for Far From Home, or end credit scenes, are setting the table for the following films, what does it mean that the last few movies have been huge callbacks? I suppose for Endgame, it's pretty obvious. Fan service, or cynicism aside, it's a how far we've come mentality. It's a picture of the long-standing narrative that Disney Marvel has been building. It's putting into perspective the entirety of this 10 plus year story that's been unfolding for a lifetime. It's clever, creative, and as the box office will show, effective. But to do it again, it may be more subtle in Far From Home, but it's still a little strange. Fingers crossed that whatever is up next is a breath of fresh air, an open door to creativity, and we get something undeniably new. As it sounds, Phase 4 is going to head to the bizarre stuff of the Marvel Universe, and we're going to get more sci-fi wacky space stuff. Basically, more Guardians tier fun. That's fine with me, but we'll have to wait and see. And with that, thank you so much for checking out this episode of Cinematic Doctrine. If you've seen Spider-Man Far From Home, what did you think of it? Were the end credit scenes just as shocking as you were led to believe? Or do you feel that the film was a major letdown after the events of Avengers Endgame? 
Let me know with an email to cinematicdoctrine at gmail.com, or if you're listening on cinematicdoctrine.com, leave a comment below. Also, if you're on Letterboxd, I have a list compiling every movie reviewed on Cinematic Doctrine with direct links to those episodes, so feel free to check that out. Also, also, I'll be making a guest appearance on not one, but two different podcasts. One of them is War Machine vs. War Horse, a movie podcast where we talked about Under the Silver Lake, The Nice Guys, and The Black Dahlia, and dissected similar themes across each of them, primarily the use or misuse of women in each film. It should be online very soon, so be sure to keep your eyes peeled. The other podcast is The Reformed Gamers, the show all about theology, video games, and anything else. In our segment, we'll be talking about the first three Resident Evil films, which, well, let's just say it's going to be really interesting. And before I lose you, check out Cinematic Doctrine's Facebook page to keep up to date on fun movie news, as well as my own shenanigans. You can also support the show by leaving a review on your respective podcast app. All of this will be down below in the show notes. Next time, I'll be reviewing Tomas Alfredson's Let the Right One In. Until then, stay cool. Want some Cinematic Doctrine swag? You're in luck! We've got 3-inch Cinematic Doctrine logo stickers exclusive for Patreon supporters. Perfect for your travel mug or laptop. Head over to patreon.com forward slash cinematic doctrine, link in the show notes, and choose the independent theater tier. Doing so will net you other perks too. But let's be real, the podcast stickers are the coolest perk. So get yourself some podcast stickers by supporting on Patreon.